Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Oh my goodness, mamas, if you are celebrating Christmas, I am sending you the merriest of Marys today. I did not want you to be without a Mama Truth show on a Mama Truth Monday, so here it is, a beautiful show that I recorded with my dear friend, Shasta Nelson of Girlfriend Circles. And I wanted to also share some really big news with you. Oh my goodness. So I am going to be creating a new podcast in the new year. As you know, the last episode of the Mama Truth show was my 100th episode can hardly believe I've done a hundred episode. I've loved every single one of them. And I'm feeling that creative energy and inspiration to expand my podcast and expand my show to be not only for mamas, but for women from all different walks of life, soulful women, ambitious women, women just like you. And some of them have kids like you do, and some of them won't have kids. And so I am going to be expanding. I actually don't even know yet what the name of the new show is going to be, but you are going to find out, my dear, because I'm going to let you know the moment it is launched. But for now, I want to go right to the episode with amazing Shasta on to the show. Happy Mama Truth show. <laughs> it's Amy Ehlers here and happy Mama Truth Monday, I should say. Welcome back to another Mama Truth show where we're going to get into the nitty gritty around friendships. Yes, friendships. Oh my gosh. I don't know about you mamas, but I can't tell you how many child's birthday parties I've been to where I stand around like not even knowing what to do with my hands because I feel so awkward and I'm like, oh, what's, what's going on, everybody? Like, how, let's talk about the weather, <laughs> you know, like those awkward friendship situations that we're in or maybe you have that big fat lie running through your mind that says, I have no time for friendships. I have no time to be social or maybe you need to end a friendship and you have no idea how to do that. Have no fear. We have the perfect guest for you today so we can talk about really having beautiful, rich nurturing friendships in our life. I've brought on my friend and colleague, someone that I absolutely adore that I don't get nearly enough time with, the amazing Shasta Nelson. She's a, the leading expert in my book on friendship. She has two incredible books out in the world, which I highly recommend. The latest is Friendtimacy, How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness. And Friendships Don't Just Happen, The Guide to Creating a Meaningful Circle of Girlfriends. She's the founder of girlfriendcircles.com, and she has an incredible tribe of women that are really committed to creating deep, soulful, beautiful friendships. She's been all over the place. She's been on the Today Show. She's been on Katie Couric, and she also has things in the New York Times and Good Housekeeping and Health and Forbes. She's just the rock star of friendship, and we are so delighted to have her here on the Mama Truth Show. Welcome, darling Shasta. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, let's let's like go there. Like I well actually I'm actually curious. Maybe we'll start here, Shasta. What had you really decide that you were on a mission to help people create meaningful friendships? Hmm. What sparked that in you? 
Yeah. Well, the short story is that I'm a fan of all healthy relationships, Yeah. Uh, but the research kept coming in about how important our, our friendships are, our platonic relationships, and how we all know we have way more of those relationships in our lives than we do family relationships. And yet, um, when I got first started like just studying relationships 10 years ago with a more pointed uh, focus, I kept finding myself saying, why is everybody so focused on romantic relationships and parent-child relationships? And those were like the only two tracks that we were on. In fact, you know, you'd, you'd, I, my first book, when I pitched it to a publisher, they were like, oh yeah, we did a book on friendship five years ago, you know, and it didn't sell very well, but I think we've got it covered. And yet, you know, they were like, but when a woman's pregnant, she'll walk into the bookstore and buy like 20 books on like how to be pregnant, you know? And, right. and it's, uh, and so it's kind of like we, we have this, or if we're single or if we're in a bad romantic, like we're so focused on like finding this love. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. marriage and parenting actually don't always show up as being healthier for us. And we don't always show up as happier because of those relationships. And so I'm a big fan of those relationships being as healthy and fulfilling as possible. But at the end of the day, um, for women, especially our friendships actually protect our bodies better and, and, uh, buffer us from stress. Yeah are really more valuable from a health and happiness perspective. So for us to kind of shrug our shoulders and say, we don't have time for that. Um, I think that's kind of where I just stepped into this space where I was like, this matters <laughs> and yeah. have so much drama around it because if we don't know how to do it well, then it becomes a really stressful place in our lives. And it's actually the place where we feel the most, we need to feel like we have the support system. So I just got, I'm a fan of all relationships, but I kind of focused in on this one because I felt like other people were caring for the other, <laughs> talking about the other ones. Totally. Well, and I, I think that's really profound because I know for me, when I look at my life and the people that have carried me, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I have an incredible marriage with someone that not only am I crazy about in a romantic way, but I just think he's the most fascinating. And I know you feel the same about your husband too, Shasta, but like the perfect husband for me, he's absolutely my best friend. Like the, even when things are difficult, the friendship is so strong. And I have a great mom and dad that are still here and healthy and such a huge part of my life. And I have sisters and, you know, just all the stuff. And still my female friendships in particular, that sisterhood has been probably the source of the most joy on some level and also the most pain on other levels. Like when friendships need to end or when that feeling of betrayal, like the, like when we have a sister, like someone that's like a chosen sister to us, betray us or, you know, where we feel ousted from the tribe, so to speak, or like we don't belong. I mean, what a source of conflict and pain. And watching my daughters grow up, my, you know, now fifth grader, whoa, it's like those, those relationships are the ones that bring the most happiness and also have the most drama and the most <laughs> intensity. Totally. To them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. We, a lot of women describe breaking up with friends as more painful than divorces or breaking up with, with romantic interests and stuff. And, and I, you know, I think that will look different for all of us at different times, but yeah, there's some significant reasons for that. I mean, Part of it is a myth that we grew up believing that best friends are forever and like that, yes, that yes. <laughs> every relationship needs to last forever. So part of it is like shame. We have a lot of shame and guilt when relationships don't work. And I think the other side of it too, and I, I talk about this a lot, is also that we tend to give our romantic relationships a lot more honesty and uh, forgiveness than we do of our friendships. So so I do like, we never see a romantic relationship where uh, they just break up without ever talking about it. You know, we usually have 
have a, we usually have a lot of history of like, even if we don't want to have the talk, we have the talk and we'll say like, my needs aren't being met and like, this isn't working for me and I don't like it when you do this and da 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 da. And we will like fight and we'll like have these and we'll break up and we'll get back together and we'll try again and we'll apologize and we'll like, uh, uh. and with our female friendships, I'm telling you what, across the board, the majority of us, if we get hurt and disappointed, we're just like, this isn't a good friendship for me. She's not a good friend. And we just kind of like try to get out of it. And we rarely, rarely show up and say, my needs are not being met. This isn't working. And, and actually be willing to kind of go through that, um, go through that fire a little bit. We forget it's like we almost feel betrayed that our relationship had a problem and we think that means the friendship wasn't a good friendship and yet we give the we understand romantic relationships that we will fight and go through stuff and we don't think that that means it's a bad relationship we understand that we feel safer actually on the back side of that having gone through something together we actually trust that person more and feel like we can survive more and feel more love for that person mm. and we don't give that same gift to our friendships we so we feel betrayed easier in our friendships if you will like if they don't if they're not there for us if they do something that hurts our feelings, if they're not just fun all the time, like we almost take it more personally than we do if that happens in a romantic relationship. So we have really high expectations. Uh, yeah. And it, and that creates a lot of pain. I, you know, every time I talk to you about this, I just have so many ahas because I think what you said is really important around that we go to that sense of betrayal or we'll drop a friendship without giving it the space or thinking that it's normal and it's healthy for us to have to work through things in friendships. Yeah. I'll and that we can't mind read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear women say like, well, I just don't do drama. Like if they you know, they just kind of act like they're so healthy. <laughs> and I think to myself, uh, you can't have intimacy. And I use the word friendimacy. That's the yeah. title because we often equate intimacy with sex, but we need right. intimacy in our friendships. And I, I often, I say to people, you can't have intimacy without some form of drama. I mean, without some form of being disappointed. I have a quote at the beginning of my book that says something to the effect of like, it's none of us want to be in a relationship with somebody who hurts us and disappoints us. And yet there's no other kind, you know, I mean, we're all going to be disappointed at times. So really it is, uh, it's hard, but yeah, being able to grow up to be the kind of people that says these are these are muscles I need to develop to be able to go into this, to be able to speak my need, to be able to love people, to forgive, to have compassion, to set boundaries. I mean, those are all healthy things that we can't do if we just keep backing away every time it feels yucky. Yeah. I always like to say and to my close girlfriends that there needs to be space for, and, and bandwidth for me to screw up because I'm gonna, I'm gonna not show up the way that you wanted me to show up. You're gonna not show up the way that I wanted you to show up or what have you. But it's like, like without that bandwidth where it's just like, oh, there's no, you know, space for me to screw up. Then there is no, there's no foundation there because like you said, you know, disappointment's going to happen. People are going to let us down. Do, do you find that there's specific elements that create a healthy friendship? Absolutely. So in my yeah. book, I actually teach the <clears throat> requirements of healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And I can just briefly mention them here because they are so important that most of us don't even know how to define a friendship or evaluate a friendship. And we kind yeah. of just, we just say, well, it's people who I like. And I'm like, no, there's a lot of people I like that I'm not like friends with because right. friendship isn't finding this right person. Friendship is fostering the right friendship. So mm. with healthy friendship, it has less to do with who you are and who I am and more to do with what we create together. Mm. So 
uh, every friendship has to have these three things in place. And I can guarantee everybody that any relationship that's not feeling good in your life, it's because one of at least one of these three things is in lack. Mm. So at the end of the day, if you do not have positivity, so more positive feelings than negative. So friendships have to be rewarding. They have to feel good. They have to, so that means uh, gratitude, affirmation, acts of awe together, feeling proud, being able to uh, feel empathy, kindness, all those things, like anything we have to feel accepted, loved, and we have to feel more laughter, more joy, more smiles, touch. So everything that leaves us feeling positive, we have to have five positives for every negative. Science mm. Science shows us that that's true for marriage. Anytime a marriage or a relationship starts changing that ratio, the relationship's in trouble. Mm. So we have to have positivity. We have to have consistency, which means we have to repeat it. We have to have regularity. We have to build history. We have to log hours. This is our memory bank. This is where we have shared history. And we have to keep repeating this time together in order for us, and this creates safety. So mm. if without consistency, we don't feel safe. So the more consistent, the more you and I spend time together, the more I create a picture of who Amy is and how she behaves. And we feel safe when we can predict how the other person's going to respond. So I can say, well, typically she responds within two days when I write an email. So therefore, if she hasn't responded, I know something's wrong, right? Like, so we have to create a pattern. Right. So that right. comes with consistency. Uh, and then the third requirement of every healthy relationship, so we have to have, it has to feel good, it has to be repeating, and it has to be vulnerable. And I'm sorry, I did the triangle without explaining that I teach it as a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like, what is she doing? Come on, Vogue. No. <laughs> so the base of the triangle is positivity, and then we have to build our consistency up. And as we build our consistency up, so should our vulnerability build up. And a few of our relationships will get to the top of the triangle, which is where we have the greatest amount of friendsmissy. So mm. vulnerability means revealing it means sharing it means letting somebody see us a little bit more and this means um not just we talk a lot in our culture about like sharing shame and insecurity and that's i teach five different types of vulnerability and that's only one of them so i just want to highlight and make sure that we're not equating vulnerability with negative yeah. uh, i think a lot of women some of the hardest ways to be vulnerable is actually shining and being successful and talking about what's going well and saying that we're proud of our marriages or excited about our kids and not feeling like we have to downplay and not feeling like we have to like act like that's bothering us too in order to connect and not make somebody feel bad or to not apologize for having money or you know whatever the case may be uh, vulnerability means also being able to shine in front of each other being able to cheer for each other being able to reveal that which we're proud of too so there's a lot of there but it's basically being able to talk about subjects that we don't um, if we get to know each other as moms and active vulnerability is to start talking about subjects outside of mom you know if we get to know each other at church and active vulnerability is to get gluing more parts of our lives to each other it's introducing people from our lives to each other so there's a lot there but basically it's helping us cover more of the territory of who that person is and vice versa so at the end of the day if you only have two of those um, it's not a healthy friendship you can have all three of them to small degrees and it's like it can be a an acquaintance or a casual relationship but at the end of the day if we want a deep meaningful friendship we have to have those three things in place and we will grow those three things more and more and more the closer we are I love that I love just having a framework for everyone oh, wow. listening, just to have that framework of like, oh, that's what I need to work on in this friendship, or no wonder that friendship is so hard. We don't have any of those things. It's like, yeah. right? So I'm curious, I would love to hear a little bit from you about how to go about seeking out 
new friends, especially, you know, in this world for us moms here who have school age kids. I think this, you know, as they get a little bit older, it's not the same, like as they start driving and that kind of thing, because there's so much more independence. But I know, you know, I have a preschooler, I have a fifth grader, and there can be that awkward thing of wanting to feel that sense of community at schools and then not sure of how to really approach friendships without overdoing it or seeming like, hi guys, like that awkwardness that can kind of come up, how to really create friendships and then also how to conclude friendships. Yeah, that's great. And the triangle can help us in this way. So every single friendship has to start at the bottom of the triangle with positivity. We are only going to want to repeat experiences with people that left us feeling good. We might not actually think that consciously, but that is what we will do. We will gravitate to those who bring us joy and make us feel good. So at the beginning of meeting anybody, we know if we want to make friends, we have to like figure out how our job description is. How can I help this person feel better about who they are and their life for having been with me basically. Mm. Mm. And, um, and the more we do that, the more people want to be with us and the more people want to be with us, the more we get to share and reveal and be vulnerable. And so the, the consistency and the vulnerability should incrementally kind of climb. We should never be so vulnerable if our consistency has not, uh, gotten that very high. And if we, have somebody we're really consistent with we need to it's our responsibility to be sharing so these have to grow at the same so when I bring that up again to illustrate that when we're making friends most of us want the friends who are at the top of the triangle so most of us want this close familiar person who knows me who's like we're consistent with where we see each other where we call we're hanging out it's comfortable and it's really important to remember that you cannot find a best friend you have to foster a healthy friendship. Mm. You cannot get to just meet somebody and interview them and plop them at the top of the triangle. (laughs) It's like, it's, we know that somewhere deep inside of us, but we all are judging each other by acting like, is Amy best friend material? Is she like being really vulnerable with me? Is she like calling me enough? We're acting like we're auditioning each other for this best friend role. And I remind all of us all the time, Every best friend you're going to have starts as a brand new friend where it's awkward, where it's uncomfortable, where we have to figure it out, where we're stepping on each other's toes, where she's not calling enough, or we don't know if she emails or da 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 da. We don't know what it is we do together. Do we get coffee? Do we go for walks? Yeah. Every friendship has to start at the beginning. So right off the bat, when we're going to school, we just have to remember every single person here, no matter how much I love them, no matter how amazing they look, how much I think we're twins, the truth of the matter is we are brand new friends and we need to shift our expectations to say, I should not be that vulnerable with a brand new person. It's not, it's not my job to vomit my entire life story on them. That's not appropriate. And yeah. and shouldn't be getting together every single day and like so I can't like hold yeah. that expectation we have, to, yeah. we have to remember there's a different job description at the bottom of the triangle and the top of the triangle and if we're lonely we just need to say we have a bunch of new friends and our job is to keep adding positivity consistency and vulnerability with a few of those people and trust that over time we can move some of those people to the top of the triangle but that is a process and yeah. so we need to be really healthy with our expectations around that Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think that that's so important too, because I think we've all had a situation where somebody's overshared with us or where we go, oh my gosh, I just totally overshared. That person doesn't need to know that I'm considering divorce. I just met them. Like what's happening, you know? And, and, and I, I'm sure that you, um, Shasta, and I know that there's a lot of people in this community that are healers and coaches and, and people like that too. And when we have that energetic field where we hold space for people as a, as part of our living, 
sometimes people can really come up and start oversharing and then it can feel very put upon because it's like, I'm not your coach in this moment. You're not the friendship expert at every dinner party that you go to Shasta, right? Where everyone, <laughs> right? So it can, I, I feel like that's such an important thing for us to really have that discernment for ourselves and for, for others as well around the way that we put ourselves out there and being able to really have it be incremental in a, in a pace that's appropriate yes. as we're building that trust and that rapport with that person. Yeah. Bonding does not, is not in one action that you are now best friends because you shared everything. So right. we really have to understand that that is, a, and so therefore what happens a lot is if we don't have people at the top of our triangle, we are lonely, we haven't fostered a pipeline, we don't have that tribe, then we come in and we meet somebody who's like maybe on a scale of one to 10, like a two or three on the consistency. Yeah. We don't have any, so we don't have anyone up higher. So our brain tells us this person's my best friend because I'm closer to her than anybody else. Right. And our brain needs to understand like, yes, that might be true, but that doesn't just, she's a three. That doesn't make her a 10 just because you don't have anybody from four through 10. And right. so we have to show up and recognize that if we have not built our pipeline and built that brought people up the mountain, so to speak, that we, this three doesn't owe it to us to act like our best friend just because we don't have deeper friendships and it's our job to yeah. build deeper friendships. So we yeah. need to take responsibility and, and have healthy expectations of what the relationships are that we're meeting. Most of them are social. Most of them are just going to be seeing each other here and there. We're going to be talking about our kids and that's great. And that's important. And I do not, we need people all up and down the mountain and it is okay to just have people that we gravitate to at the school and gravitate at the mom's group. And they don't have to be our best friends. We have something in common with them and we can give and love and be present in that moment. But really our brains need to be very clear between what this relationship has built and what it hasn't yet built. And uh, that's probably one of the biggest areas where we get mad, we get hurt, we get disappointed. We, we get, we take it personally. We, I mean, we just mess up so much potential by being upset at these people for not acting like best friends or for best friends thinking like we need to get rid of them because they don't have kids or something. And we forget, you don't have to bring them all off the mountain yeah. because we don't have everything in common with each other. The research around commonality is really uh, shows that we are horrible judges of what we need to have in common with each other to bond. We mm. If we're a mom, we need to be close with other moms. We think that if we're a mom of three kids, we need to have, you know, we need somebody else with three kids and they need to have girls the same age and boys the same age. I mean, we, <laughs> our brains are like so crazy. We think you can't really understand my life if you don't know these exact things. Right. It's a big lie. Talk about a big lie we tell ourselves. Yeah. The research shows that actually we do not need to have that in common any more than we only then we need to have in common somebody who has the same first name as me. Like I would be the loneliest person if I was like, okay, I'm be friends with Shasta because I know nobody else can understand what it's like to be in this world and Shasta. And I just need that. You know, unfortunately, it makes sense to us. We think it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. So we really need to understand that commonality has almost nothing to do with friendship. And um, we can bond with. Instead, we need these three things. And if our commonality helps us, like if being moms helps us be more consistent, right. Then Good thing. So commonality can help do these three things, but it doesn't make up a friendship. So we really need to be open to who we let on and be more open-minded and yeah. more patient as we incrementally build those relationships. Let, I, I think that's so powerful. And I, and I know that I've, I mean, I've talked about this before that sometimes when we have these containers, when we have these structures, whether it's a school or a mom's group or, you know, we're at this particular, you know, let's say we go to a knitting circle and then we've made friends with someone in the knitting circle and then the knitting circle ends and then we're destroyed because the friendship doesn't carry on. Yep. 
and that sometimes those containers can be the thing that's actually holding that triangle together. And when it's not there anymore, it's actually not personal. It's just that that particular friendship needed the container of support and you can go back and start building that back up. If, if in your discernment, you feel like this is someone that I actually really want to stay friends with, even though that knitting circle isn't happening anymore. Exactly. Exactly. In my first book, I teach five different circles of friendship. And what you just described is the second circle. Mm. And it's so important. And I give an example of my a good girlfriend of mine. We were part of a weekly Tuesday night girls group. And we got together every Tuesday night, five of us women. And she was the first at that time to have a baby. Mm. And so um, I said to her, you should go make some mom friends. And she's like, but I love you girls. And I don't, and I said, well, I mean, you don't have to, it's not either or, but right. we, there's things that we can't do. We cannot talk about cracked nipples in the same way that somebody else knows what to do about that, you know? Oh, and so, um, so she went and so, so we were like circle five friends and she went and made some new friends, which were like circle two mom friends. Yeah. And a couple months later I asked her, so how is the mom's group going? And she was like, all they do is talk about babies. Like if they don't even know who I am outside of that, they don't even like know about what I used to do and how I made it. And yeah. I said, you can't be any more mad at them for not acting like fives than you can be mad at fives for not acting like twos. Yeah. We have different roles and mom friends are so important for understanding the mom things. And if you keep fostering these three things with some of them, they'll move over into that. But that's why you need us for certain things because we see all the other sides of you and we can, and you get to show up and you don't have to compete about being a mom and you're not, we're not bragging about our kids. Like you just get to be the mom and we want to hear about it and we get to know all the other things and we can do things for you. They can't do, and they can do things for you that we can't do. And so all of us stopping and like to your point and taking stock and saying, where do I feel like I want more support and intimacy in my life? Mm. Where would I, mm. how, how we answer the question, how loved and supported do I feel in my life? It tells mm. us more about our health 10, 20 years from now than any other factor, more than whether we're exercising, more than whether we're smoking, more than whether we're obese, like more, our loneliness is affecting our health more than any other issue. And that loneliness is simply your body's way of giving you information that says, I want a different kind of connection. I'm craving some more connection. And our job, especially as mothers, is to stop and ask, what kind of connection do I need more of? And it's our job to go and start fostering that Mm. and start really leaning into that. And so for all of us, it will look different. You know, for some of us, it's yes, I need other people who are brand new moms because I need to talk about this stuff. But then don't expect them to be your best friends right away. And don't be mad at them for not knowing all those other things, you know. And for some of us, we actually know enough people. And it's really our loneliness is that we're not close enough to a few of them. And we really need to say, okay, which of these three things, if I were to pay attention to in that relationship, would make the biggest difference? And Mm. so for all of us, answering that call to loneliness will look different. But we have to answer it. Emotional intelligence says we feel something. We identify it. I feel that loneliness and I need to do something about it to move myself back to a place of having my needs met. So it's a really one of the most important things, the most important thing we can do for all of us, for our lives, without question. So beautiful. And I know that there's mamas that are listening right now that feel that sense of loneliness. And I just want all of you to really know that you can do something about this. And that first step with anything that we're going through is actually admitting to ourselves, wow, I am feeling really lonely. And then being able to take some of these steps like you've been talking about, Shasta, I just think that's so beautiful. And I know that, like you said, sometimes it's not that we don't have people in our lives. It's just that we haven't nurtured and fostered those relationships that get to go at the top of that triangle, like you're talking about, the ones that are really like just there, just so there. 
So I'm curious, I know that there are also, and I'm sure that there's people that have had this experience where one of those friendships becomes toxic or where there's just one of those sides of the triangle, no matter how much you work on it, it's not going to work. And you just feel like you are ready to complete a friendship. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's probably a whole nother workshop. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it is. In a nutshell, my rule of thumb is that the higher up the triangle I am with somebody, the more willing I am to do whatever I can to repair that relationship. So if we're up high, then I will I, I will do the awkward conversations. I will stake my need. I will say, how is this working for you? What do you need more from me? And this like this isn't I will do what I need to do. I will I will make extraordinary efforts. Because I know that my muscles, my emotional growth muscles need to be built up there. I know that I'm not just going to drop an investment. I know it takes years to move somebody up to the top. I know that I've loved this person before. So I will go through extraordinary efforts to try to protect mm-hmm. and repair those relationships. Somebody at the bottom of the triangle that feels not healthy, I'm not going to, you know, it's not. So to me, there's a, there's a, a, a choice in here of like, how much have I invested in this relationship and how much have I loved this person and how much of our memories have we developed and how much have they loved me before? Well, how much of me do they know? How much of them do I know? So that's kind of the first question. The second thing then is to say in almost every relationship, we can stop and say, which one of these three things is lowest in this relationship? Yeah. Like, we are vulnerable and it feels good when we're sharing, but we don't do it often enough for it to feel safe. Mm. Maybe we're doing it often enough and we're having fun, but we're not really sharing. So therefore it doesn't feel like I'm like, I don't, it doesn't feel deep enough. It just feels right. like socializing. And so we can stop and kind of pick something and make efforts to repair that. And I have like an entire chapter in both books on like, what are acts, what, what can we do to repair one of those things? Um, and then after you've made a lot of efforts to do the repair work, if it's still not working, my, What I love about the triangle is it gives us the choice to recognize that not everything is all or nothing. We can move somebody down our, if they don't feel safe, if they gossiped about us, we shared something and they betrayed our trust. I can, people will say to me, but I just don't trust her anymore. And I'll say, trust her to do what? Well, I don't trust her with my secrets. Okay. Do you trust her to not slap you if you walk into a room? Well, yeah, I trust her. Okay. Do you trust her not to spit on you and start screaming if you're in the same party? Yeah, I trust her not to. Okay. So this isn't a matter of like, we, it's not trust isn't 100% or zero. It's not all or nothing. So we don't share our secrets with her right now if she's not trustworthy. So we come down the triangle, but yeah. we can still show up at the school with her and be friendly. We can still, you know, so that gives us choices to say, this isn't all or nothing. Not every relationship needs to be, I don't, you're my best friend or you're not in my life. And so for a lot of us, we can actually think to ourselves, this isn't me demoting somebody as much as it's me acknowledging that the relationship isn't as high as I thought it was. We really, it's not as safe as I thought it was. It's not as vulnerable as I thought it was. So I can make choices to try to repair that or deepen it, or I can acknowledge that this is a six on a scale of one to 10 and not a 10. And I can change my expectations of this relationship and stop thinking we should be talking on the phone every week. Stop thinking that I should share all my secrets with her. And so really it's us have taking a really honest assessment of our relationships and making those choices. Now that we know exactly what makes up a relationship, we can make choices about whether we need to just call it for what it is and say it's not a 10 or if we need to try to repair it. And so we start having some choices in there. And it's not to say that some people won't 
be out of our lives, but the vast majority of our relationships are going to ebb and flow. And our job isn't to just cut people out of our lives and be like, we never are going to talk to each other again. We're going to bump into each other. We work together. We have mutual friends. So let's try to keep the relationship as healthy as we can for whatever level it's at and trust that um, you never know what's going to happen. It could be that you both have kids in your fifties <laughs> and all of a sudden there's a new bond and you know, yeah. so it, we never know. We never yeah. know. And so my, I tend to, that's kind of my nutshell philosophy around friendships and, and ending friendships. But there's a whole, we could do an entire talk on like actually breakup techniques and all that stuff, but that's yeah. kind of my general philosophy. Is that helpful? Yeah, totally. I think that's beautiful. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that there's just so much about friendships and about sisterhood that we just need to make that investment in and that we haven't been taught as a society that it's supposed to take any investment. It's supposed to just be natural and easy and this and that. And, you know, and then it's just like, oh, that person did that to me. That's it. Bye. Forget it. Like, like you're saying, and I know that that can be incredibly painful for everybody involved when that happens. Well, and to your point, I talk about when we go to the gym or go work out, we we expect to sweat. Like we're not shocked when we start, when our, when our heart starts going up, we're not right. like, oh, something's wrong. Like right. <laughs> we, go in, we go in like kind of disappointed if we're not sore the next day. If you're right. I mean, we, we understand that our muscles have to tear a little to get stronger. We understand that we have to sweat and we have to like get out of breath in order to build our cardio. We get that on a physical level. And yet when it comes to our emotional and personal growth, the second we start breathing a little faster, sweating metaphorically, we start thinking this is bad for us and that we need to pull away. But our emotional growth is no different than our physical growth. In fact, it's probably more so that the only way we grow those emotional muscles is leaning in and exercising. Our relationships are the gym. Our relationships are the mat. And so if we pull away every time, we kind of are like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. I mean, I would never go to the gym if my whole litmus was like, am I like having fun and is this easy? <laughs> We understand, and on an emotional level, I will say to you, we, there is, you cannot do personal growth without being in relationship. I believe that completely. Yeah. You can read a book on boundaries. You have to be in relationship to practice it. You can listen to a sermon on forgiveness. You have to be in relationship to practice it. You can say you want to be a more compassionate, patient person. You have to be in relationship to practice it. Yeah. Every single thing we want to be, who we want to be, only happens in relationship. And so if we pull away every time it gets a little sweaty, then your emotional growth will never, like your muscles, you'll never be ready for the marathon. Like my goal is to do all the five pound weights, the 10 pound weights, have this conversation, ask for this need, express myself here where the stakes aren't that high, practice adding positivity here where it's not like life or death so that when the big things happen, I'm like, I've prepared for this. I've trained for this. I know how to show up and forgive. I know how to have this conversation. I've been working. I've been ready for this. I've been, I can do this. And I don't, I don't fall apart. I can do it. I've trained for those moments and I have healthy, amazing relationships because I practice those muscles all up and down that triangle. And that's what I want for everybody. I mean, I, I still have a lot of muscles to build. I wasn't meaning that as like a personal, like I No, Yeah. I want all of us to be able to say that. I want us to feel like we can handle what's coming because we know that love requires disappointment and fear and we can still show up in love even in the midst of that. Mm. Mm. Where's the best place for people to go and find out about you and your books and all the incredible work that you're doing? JustinNelson.com is probably the best uh, clearing house I have. I do an annual, I do a couple annual retreats you can find out. I do uh, trips to different parts of the world, one one big country a year. Uh, We have girlfriend circles where we teach classes and the Friendship University where you can buy classes on 
building those muscles and all my books and stuff. So ShastaNelson.com is probably the best go-to place. In- awesome. I really want to encourage everyone, go to ShastaNelson.com, get Shasta's books. I mean, they're just phenomenal. And I just feel like this is such an area of life that we need more coaching around and um, you know, advice around, like you said, you know, it's like, it's all about the romantic relationships, but you know what, in our lives, it's so not, it's a part of it for sure. And there's this whole other world, um, where we can really develop better skills to create really beautiful, nurturing, wonderful friendships in our lives and get out of that space of loneliness, like you were saying, which I know is so yeah, the profile of a lonely person today is not this isolated hermit with no social skills. The profile of a lonely person is often an amazing woman who's successful and ambitious and doing a lot and caring for people, sometimes around people all day long, actually exhausted by people and it catches them off guard. Like, how can I be lonely? I'm tired of people. And right. the truth of the matter is we can be peopled out. We can be amazing. We can be around people and we still like that loneliness really matters. So really, truly moms, especially have a this is a very, very important area for us to take into consideration. And I just want to say one more thing, Amy, and that is that um, I've, asked, I've done research and asked all these women and men, how many of you felt like your uh, mothers modeled, how did they model friendship on a scale of one to five, five being um, you know, very healthy and good and one being non-existent or unhealthy. Only one in five of us are scoring our mothers as, as a four or five. So most wow. of us. The most common answer is a one or a two um, for how we feel like our moms are modeled, how our moms modeled friendship when we were younger. Mm. And the connection between those who scored high on that and the friendships they have and how satisfied they are in the friendship right now is a direct correlation. Um, so I really mm. want to say to women, don't do your friendships when your kids are at school and it's in where I think so often we think we want to do it where it doesn't inconvenience our kids, but mm. our kids aren't seeing it when we do it there. And mm. so it's really important that we hear that our kids hear us say, you know what, Tuesday night is mommy's girlfriend night. And so you're going to be home with daddy or you're going to be with grandma, but this is like, you played with your friends at school and I'm going to go play with my friends now. And they need to hear that. They need to see it. I want to be able to survey your kids 20 years from now and say, who are your mom's friends? What did they go do? Did they go on girls trips? Did she go out? Who, what did they do? And I want them to be able to say yes and name your friends and say, I remember them coming over. I remember them doing slumber parties. I remember every year she left. And I want them to tell me those stories. And so please let go guilt and say, you are taking care of your health. You are building your family stronger and you are modeling for your son and your daughter, the friendships you want them to have someday. So please answer that call to loneliness and let go of any guilt and do what's Mm -hmm. best for you and best for your children in this case. I have chills all over. That's it right there, ladies. That is it right there. And, um, and I'd really give all of you an inspiring homework assignment to just think about that in your own life. What would you, how would you rate your mom or the woman or the people who raised you? How, how well did they model themselves taking that time out, taking time for friendships and doing it in a way where they were celebrating it for goodness sake and, and really allowing you to see their humanness and that they have these connections. And if your children were to rate you right now, where would they put you on that scale? 
knowing, of course, that this moment right here can be the time that inspires you to get that higher score. It's never too late, whether you have a senior that's about to fly the coop or you have a little tiny newborn in your arms. It does not matter. You still can do this. And even with kids that are out of the home, those of you that have older children that have left the house, talk to them about your friendships. Talk to them about that. Make sure that they know that you are taking that time for those friendships. That is so beautiful, Shasta. I'm so glad that you just said that. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So as we wrap up, there's a question that I ask all my guests here on the Mama Truth show. And knowing that you are a stepmom and also a grandma, I mean, what? Is she making it look good or what, ladies? I get to babysit tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Oh, so beautiful. So, okay. So here's the question. What's messy and what's magical about motherhood and grandmotherhood for you these days? <laughs> what's messy is uh, an interesting question. Yeah, just always, I think it's expectations, like always navigating what their expectations are and what yours are and finding so often there's hurt feelings when they're not clear and spoken. So I think always just trying to be clear with what, my, actually just knowing what my own expectations are. It's easy to show up and be like, that didn't meet my expectations, but it's amazing how much I never even stopped to say ahead of time, what are my expectations and what can right. I do to help those needs get met as opposed to just saying that didn't work. So um, yeah, just kind of being more and more owning my expectations. Um, and what's magical is just uh, oh, more of that is for sure for the stage with adult kids and a grandkid. It's so, so magical. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Just family dinners when you've got the whole family over on a Friday night and you've got this little cute boy that's learning how to like crawl and starting to like kind of walk and every moment and just watching your, watching your kids become parents and getting to see them. It's just, it's all magical. Just getting to watch and witness life evolving is so beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Shasta. So everyone, again, ShastaNelson.com. Go and check that out. And until next week, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. Until next time, (laughs) bye-bye. Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms. Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself so you can be the mom you were born to be. And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. <laughs>